You're listening to Resident Advisors Exchange. I'm Martha. Thank you for being with us. This week, I'm here to introduce a conversation between RA's North American editor, Andrew Rice, and Canadian Hyperdub affiliate, Jessie Lanza. It's just so sweet, that connection, that just talking to people about how my music makes them feel and meeting people in person and like seeing the way people react. It's just, there's just nothing can really replace that in-person feeling. Yeah, I miss that a lot. Having swapped her hometown of Hamilton, Ontario for New York City, Jessie is releasing the new album she's been working on with long-term collaborator Jeremy Greenspan. The record is titled All The Time and in this episode of the podcast, you'll hear Jessie and Andrew discuss her writing process, her appreciation for footwork and the intricacies of making music videos in lockdown. Uh, how has your lockdown quarantine experience been over the last few months? It's been, yeah, just really relaxed and we've just been like making content. We're just like a content factory over here. <laughs> just like making the videos and... Um, so you've been, tell me how you did the videos while you were in quarantine. Like how, what was your approach with that? Uh, just to make the best of what we had here and like also just be realistic of like like Winston Case who like directs all the videos he just brainstormed like what can we do with just the two of us and make something that's interesting that's not just like another kind of zoom video although we did just make a video that is kind of a zoom (laughs) video so (laughs) but uh, like the video for face for instance we just thought like let's just use the the house and we ordered a bunch of lights on Amazon and programmed them through Ableton and like got a smoke machine and just tried to do the best we could with just shit that we could get Super off DIY. the internet. Yeah. And it, I mean, it was really fun and it was a great thing to focus our energy on because that, that was great. I mean, things are still like so uncertain there's a lot of anxiety but things were like really I think it was like the middle middle of April we were doing that and it was just it was a nice thing that we could do just to focus our energy on and but yeah it, it was weird making a video with just the two of us and like his mom and his sister helped they like held flashlights and <laughs> just like we just were trying to make the most of it um but yeah it it, it was fun, but it was weird. I mean, this whole thing has been weird. Like, I totally underestimated not having the shows to complement, like, the the album release and just not having that energy and that momentum. And, like, I was really excited for this tour with Yaiichi, and that's obviously not <clears throat> going to happen anytime soon. But, yeah, I'd say making the most of it is, like, the the motto, I guess. I mean, yeah, what's it like releasing an album right now? I mean, I know it was delayed, so there's that. 
Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm wondering, like right now it's like, you know, the record comes out and I don't know, what's the date? Yeah, 11 days. Yeah, so the run-up is like really exciting and all these things we've been working on are like everything's coming out and um, I'm wondering like what's going to happen when it does come out and um, yeah, I've no idea. <laughs> I wish I had like a good answer. I'm just trying to stay positive <laughs> about it. But I mean, I, I think it'll... Hopefully people will just like listen to it in the places like they can, like in their cars and if they drive or walking around in their houses. I mean, yeah, I have no fucking idea. (laughs) Yeah. Um, Has the, uh, has the pandemic changed the way you uh, think about music or your relationship with music or making music considering there's no shows anymore, how different it is? Um, yeah, I mean, I've been surprisingly been like, I've been thinking to myself that I'll, I just need to work on new music and, and I'm really lucky that I have a setup here that I have like a room with a door that closes and a place that I, I can be. And, and so I'm, you know, if, if everything just kind of, there's nothing much to do after this record comes out, I'll just start working on a new one. But I mean, doing the, like the live stream stuff and doing the DJ sets in different places has been really fun. And it's something I I also haven't done before. So that's been, that's been really good and really fun and seeing the way that people like respond to it and like engage with it and like going and like chatting with people like during the streams and all that. I've never done stuff like that before and have been really pleasantly surprised at how nice it's been to connect with people that way because everyone's just been so sweet and supportive and it's that's new and something that wouldn't have happened if we weren't in this situation so that's been nice um so going back a little bit the album was written after you moved to new york right yeah uh what what spurred your move there from hamilton um i started dating winston who lived in new york and so i found that i was driving back and forth from Hamilton to New York, which is like an eight hour drive. And that was getting pretty, it's a bit tiring to do that all the time. So I just decided to move to New York because I have this visa that made it easy to, to be there and legal (laughs) to be there. Um, So yeah, I just wanted to change too. It's just I, I've been living in Hamilton my whole life, basically, other than like going to university in, in Montreal for a bit. Um, yeah, I thought it would be nice just to have a change. Uh, what were your first impressions of it? What was it like when you when you moved? It's super exciting, but definitely like I had it pretty cushy in, in Hamilton. Like I had a studio that was like it had a vocal booth. Like it was, it was small, but it was like separate. I moving to New York is just, I had to like make a room in my apartment, my studio and you know, had to like plan, like, like knowing that the next door neighbor would get home at five. And like, once he's home, like I can hear, you know, we can hear each other and just like wanting to be 
consider it. And I just can't like, I need, I needed to plan a lot more. Like I have to do this from like, you know, 10 to five. And once he's home, like working on music is time. It's kind of <laughs> over. Um, but luckily actually Morgan, Morgan Geist has a studio that really, it was like a 10 minute drive from where I was. So like, I was really lucky. I got to do all the vocals at his, at his place, like in his vocal booth and all of that. But um, yeah, it was, sorry, I'm just kind of convoluted to answer your question, but yeah, it was, it was overwhelming. It was really exciting, but it was also like very different. And I think I underestimated uh, how overwhelming the move would be. Cause I was just used to being in Hamilton, <laughs> which is very different. Yeah. I, I kind of get a yeah. sense of like uh, maybe like alienation in the lyrics or, you know, just being overwhelmed by the, the sheer amount of people. Right. Loneliness. Yeah. Totally isolated and lonely and also feeling like, I think I was being really hard on myself, like thinking like, what the fuck is wrong with me? That I'm, I'm in this, like, I've always I've had this dream of like, like moving to New York city, like how great that would be like starting a new relationship, like starting a new life, being in this really exciting place. And then I just felt yeah, really sad, really isolated, really disconnected. And then I just, yeah, just felt really bad about that. Like why can't I focus on the positive? And, and so the album just kind of became the only way I could connect with something, which I think is why I called it all the time. It was like really the only, I just became fixated with like, I just need to work on this album and feel, overcome this feeling of like being disconnected. And yeah, it was, it was a weird time. It was a weird transition. And I think I felt bad about that. Like I thought I should be more tough about it or something. I don't know. So writing the album was kind of cathartic in a way. Definitely. Definitely being in my, my room and working on the album was the only the only thing that really made me feel like yeah good good about myself like I had something something to do um and also doing the monthly shows on the lot radio that was like a huge thing once I started doing those I felt it was just a way to like meet people and like invite people that like I'd always known over the internet and like, you know, messaged with, but never met in person and actually got to like meet them in person and like do shows with them. And that, that wasn't until a bit later after my move, but that was like a huge step forward too of like kind of coming out of this isolated little apartment box world <laughs> I was living in. Uh, what kind of music were you playing on the radio and like what kind of guests did you have? Uh, like always dance music, like, like Swisha came and he brought like Kush Jones and Ace Mo and Mo Moretti and that they would come and hang out. And then Martin Booty Spoon too came. Um, who else? I can't, off the top of my head, those are like the shows that I remember. Um, but they did this thing. Oh, sorry. No, you go, go ahead. ahead. No, you, you. no, they they just like did this cool, this cool thing in Times Square where somehow the lot radio people like were allowed to set up in this building that overlooked Times Square, and that was bizarre. That was a really cool thing to do too. I I did that alone, but um, yeah, that was a really nice way to to feel connected with what was going on a little bit. 
do you think the sounds you were hearing in New York and the people you were connecting with uh, changed the sound of your music at all? Yeah, totally. They're, the way that they work is just a lot different from how I'm used to working. Like just, I can get really insular about what I'm doing and like really precious about like um, the songs I'm working on and like wanting to like get them to a certain place before I play them for people and like um, seeing the way that like Adrian, like like how like ASMO works was just like so different and like fun. <laughs> and, like I wasn't feeling very fun at that point in time. And um, yeah, seeing the way that they worked and like Swisha too, he just like, there's this remix like that he did of one of the songs from my last record and like just he just like brought this whole new life to it that I was really inspired by and yeah seeing the way that they work was very different from the way that I worked and that that had a, a really big um influence on I felt like it was like this kind of sadness meets like I just like wanted to there was just like joyfulness that I really felt like I, I wanted to channel into my own work that like wasn't there <laughs> for me um before I started like being able to hang out with them and seeing how they how they made music yeah I feel like there's a, a big juxtaposition between the lyrics on the album and the sound um so yeah totally <laughs> some of the lyrics I like listen back to them I'm like holy shit <laughs> really <laughs> yeah I know what you mean <laughs> So did that, did that sound, that, that joyfulness, did that come from like finding community in New York and settling in a bit more? Yeah, I, it, it's hard for me to remember like the, I mean, a lot of the songs, like they were started in 2017 or 2018 and then I worked on them for a long time. Um, yeah, like songs like Face, I think are a good example of that, of like just wanting to like infuse this kind of new feeling of connection into into my music and like, yeah, listening to the lyrics and like, yeah, there is a lot of sadness in there. I was like working through a lot, um, but yeah, definitely. Do you feel like um, when you came out of the album, did you feel lighter or were you in a better place? Yeah, totally. I Yeah, 2017 was a a weird, year because yeah I moved and I think I also was quite I burnt myself out a little bit touring oh no and I did this tour by myself uh in 2017 where like I thought again it was like I went into it thinking like this will be fine you know it'll it'll just be better financially for me to just do this by myself and then being alone <clears throat> for a month and doing the tour just like it kind of, it really fucked me up a little bit I just really I couldn't handle it <laughs> it wasn't good <laughs> I burnt myself out and I think I just needed time to like yeah um just be at home and work on music and yeah I definitely felt like after the album was done I like came out the other side or something like that <laughs> what you said it was cathartic and I yeah <laughs> uh you mentioned chris jones and swisha and those guys um and i i feel like your music has always had or not maybe not always but has often had an affinity with with footwork and other up-tempo like dance music and i was wondering like wh where yeah. that started with you 
yeah, hearing hearing Double Cup and, and being introduced to DJ Rashad's music and like, like I think the Roland EP, which I don't think came out on Hype, or maybe it did, it was the first release on Hyperdub. I can't remember if that came out on Planet View or if it came out on Hyperdub, but just hearing that EP and then when Double Cup came out and just, I think hearing <clears throat> DJ Rashad's music just really changed my approach to writing songs and his ability to like harness energy and like one sample and use that in a track. And yeah, I, I find that I always, I'm just always thinking about that. And it's been like seven years since that record came out, but it's still very much just always in the back of my mind of how he uses samples in songs. And yeah, just that totally, it's just totally different from the way I approached songwriting and, um, yeah, it had a huge influence on me. Do you still listen to lots yeah. of footwork? Yeah, for sure. I, I get the all of the the tech life like emails and the the compilations, and so that's like the most exciting. When I get one of those, it's like I know that there's going to be something really awesome in there. So, yeah, for sure. And uh, what other so do you consider your music dance music? Yeah, I. I think of it as as pop music, which to me like is just kind of an umbrella. It's like there's yeah, I think of it. I, I'm immediately I just thought of like what do I say my music is like when the U.S. border guards like ask me what like what kind of music do you make? <laughs> like uh, pop music, dance music, dance pop music <laughs> is always the. I I think of it as being pop music. And I think pop music is dance music and pop music is R&B music. Yeah, it gets a bit, gets a bit slippery in there. <laughs> you know, I've, I'd be curious of what you think about that. Like as somebody who's, you know, I would assume listening and thinking about it all the time. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, I mean, the first few times I, I listened to the album, it's like the, well, I, <laughs> I don't know, even like, even a song like, like Lick in Heaven is so it, it's both things but you know you, you get to face and it all of a sudden it's much faster and it feels a lot more dance music influenced um yeah so it's definitely both uh do you yeah. ever do you ever think about how your songs might work in a, in a dj set or a dance floor when you're making them um i i do and then i try not to think about it too much because i think that it's going to compromise the song in some way like i think like yeah, because I've been DJing a lot more, I, I just think like I can just do an edit of this after if if, if it doesn't if it doesn't work. Um, but yeah, I, I I think if I think about that too much, it's gonna like compromise the song, and I, I don't want to think about my music as like how likely is it gonna be that somebody's gonna put this in their in their DJ mix. I think that would kind of ruin it for me in, in a way. So yeah, I. It is in the back of my head sometimes, but I, I try not to let that be become like a fixation or something, because then it just gets contrived, and I, I don't want I don't want that really. Um, but yeah, "Face" is a weird song. Turned out, uh, I think it became this kind of like edit fest for Jeremy and I. We like sent it back and forth too many times or something, and we just. But I'm, I'm happy with how it turned out. But yeah. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, so, so, so Jeremy Greenspan co-produced this album too, correct? Yeah, he co-wrote and co-produced it. So how was your yeah. dynamic? How did it change uh, living in a different city? Um, yeah, it was it was tough at first because we I was so used to just like he was so close in Hamilton. We saw each other all the time. Like our studios were like uh, five minutes apart. I mean, we used to live together and now we don't, <laughs> obviously. So it was a bit of a it was a bit of a transition, but like the song all the time, actually the, the, that was the first song that, that came together. And I think once we, like, we weren't sure if we were going to make another record and then that song came together and we both liked it so much that we, that was kind of the catalyst for the rest of the, the record. But I think because I, up until the pandemic started, I, I was going back to Hamilton, like really, quite often and so it, it wasn't too much of a hurdle like we would still see one another and send stuff back and forth and and I, I went to Hamilton for six weeks in no, November to December in 2019 and, and we mixed the record together and that was really important that we were together for that um yeah he like built this studio from the the ground up like his dream mixing room um and so we were able to like do that together. And I think that that was really important to like making the record feel cohesive and like it was both of ours and all that stuff. Um, so you're writing and producing it together. Uh, who brings what? Like I realize it's kind of like a, an abstract question, but he, he seems like he's very integral to your work. Yeah, totally. He is. Um, yeah, it's like, Anyone Around, the song that just came out a couple days ago, like that song, I remember he sent me like a, an experiment that he was doing with his modular stuff. And so the drum pattern was, it was pretty good, but it was like kind of a bit boring. I didn't know. And so I just shifted it around and I put the chords over it and the melody. And then you know, I sent it back to him and he added some synth stuff and then yeah, it, it is hard to describe like who brings what because we both do a bit of everything on it. But um, usually it starts with like, hey, I did I did this weird sound, like check out the weird sound I got on the new module that I'm it, it always starts with an experiment, I think. And there's some like tone, there's something that we both feel is worth pursuing. And then we'll send it to the other one. And usually that'll that'll develop it, into something. Um, but yeah, it usually comes from these experiments with equipment because I think that drives both of us in a big way to keep writing, working on music and songwriting. Were you working with different equipment this time? The album sounds a little bit warmer or like more like 80s funk influence to me a little bit. Yeah, I think that's because the only keyboard I could fit into my studio in New York was a, a Roland JX8P, which is like one of those like like I think that Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis must have had that keyboard and in theirs and that was kind of like all I had there. So I just kind of wrote everything on that. And then I had this one Yamaha synth too. It's kind of the same. It's just like a really specific patch on it, like that kind of eighties, it's called like eight male choir voice that just <laughs> 
and and Jeremy like he has a big a big like um synth collection too like 80s and early 90s synthesizers and um and then I I got a lot of new modular stuff as well that I was like experimenting with and so a lot of like the kind of burpy squirty weird <laughs> sounds are from experiments with with the the modular stuff too because I didn't know what I was doing and so I would just like run the track and then do like full takes and then edit it after what do you like about the modulars I think is the it's the unpredictability of it and that I don't it's new to me and like I, I, I kind of know what I'm doing but then I kind of don't and it's I'm I'm learning as I'm going and that you can get these unpredictable sounds um, that don't sound like anything else is I love mixing that with like the synth sounds that you described it's just like you can really place it it's like this is like this kind of 80s synth pad that you hear on a lot of a lot of pop music and it's it's really fun to mix those two those two sounds together and I think that that is like a, a big sound on the, <clears throat> on the record the thing that kind of ties the whole record together in my opinion yeah, it's interesting that you said that, like, you know, in your apartment in New York, you had very little room, so you could only use a few pieces of equipment. But but to me, the the, the new sound is a much more open and, like, you know, it sounds a little bit less like the past two records and a little bit more and, like, a new thing. So it's, you know. That's nice to hear. I'm glad that it, because <laughs> it's hard to have per perspective um, on it. But I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm really glad to hear you say that. Um but yeah, I think experimenting with like the new, like the semi-modular and modular stuff I got was like a big, I also stopped erasing stuff. I, I was really bad with like, I'd spend all day working on something and then I'd get like really like, fuck this song, I hate this. And I just get really self-destructive about it and like just erase it. And I, I made a promise to myself that I would stop doing that because it's really just not a good way to, uh, work so I ended up like just recording a lot more and then going back and editing and like giving it a few days and like revisiting I think that was part of like my whole like anger management <laughs> strategy like just like don't erase like just give it time and you can always go back but just don't erase it um, so uh, before you, you tended to delete a lot of songs before yeah which was which was really, it's, it's just stupid. I don't know why I, yeah, it's just impulsive. Um, yeah, and I mean, I don't think anything was like, anything great was really like lost. I, don't, I think that they probably were bad and like don't really matter. But um, I, I think what I'm trying to say is like on all the time, I like gave myself an opportunity to like do long takes and go back and edit together like the, interesting bits or find something um that was worth uh, yeah putting into the song so kind of like we when you call face an, an edit fest it's like stitching all these little bits together into a cohesive totally <laughs> yeah yeah do you write really quickly uh sometimes it, it depends on how upset i am I've written, I've written songs when I've been really like feeling like a lot of the songs um, were written after like 
Winston and I got in some like banger of a fight and I would go <laughs> like our bedroom was here and like my studio was <laughs> the next door over. And so I would go in and like write like Lick in Heaven was one of those songs that I wrote really fast when I was just feeling really shitty. And um, but yes, yeah, so some songs like were just drawn out over like over quite a long time. But yeah, it um, it it changes. For sure, um, anyone around was a pretty fast song, but yeah, it's it's always uh, different. How do you feel like your songwriting has changed since uh, "Pull My Hair Back" came out, or also your process? Um, I think like what I was mentioning before, just like trying not to be so. Um, kind of precious about everything that I'm doing and like not deleting things, having more fun with what I'm doing, um, kind of experimenting more and just like having more fun with the, with the gear. I seems like such a stupid answer, like having more fun. <laughs> so I don't know, but I don't know how else to describe it. I think like, because I was working through a lot of like problems that had been building for a long time and working through those issues like on all the time. Yeah. I think just having more patience with myself and with the songs. Um, yeah. I'm kind of bridging on like therapy talk right now, but <laughs> yeah, being, being more patient with myself and the songs and like, um, yeah, giving them a chance, not deleting stuff impulsively. Uh, so y you mentioned, you know, get getting the, the new modulars and playing around with them for sounds on the album. Uh, have you gotten any new equipment in like since since the album we're in quarantine time that you've gotten excited about? No, like looking around it. Oh, actually, I did get this, uh, this cool little, it's called a sound bite. Little, I, I actually was like lurking one of Fortet's like live things. And I saw he had this little looper that's like, so it, if you, um, it listens to the output of the headphone jack on like a, a mixer on a DJ mixer. And, and so you can like get these like really cool loops that aren't quite, um, quantized so that they're like robotic but you can get really weird loops and then use that as a on a channel on the on the on the dj mixer and get weird sounds going on that so i i got that quite recently and that's been really fun especially since i've been doing a lot of these like uh the um like the live stream dj mixes it's been a fun thing to to use like in a live setting how how does doing a live stream like doing a live set on a stream feel different than a concert um yeah it's weird because it's just it's just winston and i and we're trying to trying to make this engaging for people and wondering like will this be engaging for people i don't i don't know i'm not gonna know <laughs> until it's watched, yeah, there isn't that immediate, that immediate um, reaction, but yeah, I'm, 
if I ever get to play shows again, I'm just never going to take that for granted. I really just feel spoiled, spoiled about live music, which is weird. I don't know if you feel like, do you, do you go to a lot of live shows? And well, did you in LA? <laughs> did you used to? <laughs> Pretty much every week. Uh, and it, it, you know, it definitely feels weird right now because not only is there nothing, but it's like, will there ever be anything again? Like wh- wh- what's your gut feeling about the future of live music? I, that it's going to come back, but not for a long time. Like, especially like I have like my booking agent that in Europe and he's like, okay, like April, 2020, 2021, we're going to, like, he's trying to book stuff. And I'm thinking like, okay, like maybe, but everything's just so like in the U S like, I don't, I'm like, worried that it's not so much like the going I, I can see going and playing these shows in Europe but it's just like I don't know if they'll accept if you're coming from the states like will they want you to come and like what about what about getting back in you know once the tour is over and just all that kind of logistical border stuff which is um yeah I don't, until there's like a really effective therapy or a vaccine I mean I don't I just don't see it happening. Um, if, this is, if this is too personal, you don't have to answer it, but how do you feel yeah. about the situation of not having any live shows for the foreseeable future and, and ha- making a livelihood as an artist? Like, is it okay for you? How, how have you dealt with that? Oh, like just surviving, like yeah. continuing to be a musician. Yeah. I mean, um, I'm definitely concerned and I feel like I'm in this kind of limbo, like, I don't want to, yeah, it's, I don't know. Right now it's like I have those live shows in April and it's like, okay, I could hold out. If those don't happen, then like, yeah, I'm going to have to do something else. I don't know what that is, (laughs) but actually had, had an offer to do like a live, um, sorry, not, I'm thinking like live streams all the time to do a remote teaching at Carleton university in, in Ottawa, like do like zoom introduction to like synthesis and digital recording. And like, so uh, yeah, I've been thinking a lot more about like getting back into teaching, like mentorship things that I could do doing classes to like share my skills. I mean, I've definitely been thinking about that a lot. So I mean, luckily enough, it's like we are in a situation where we have family that we can live with them and it's fine. I don't know if it's going to be fine for the next like two years, but yeah, it comes back to your question. It's just like, how long? Like, who fucking knows? I don't know. (laughs) But yeah. Were you? I don't know. Sorry, Sorry, go ahead. No, no, I was going to say, I feel like the, the hammer is like, almost down but yeah. it hasn't quite come down <laughs> it's not funny still, flo- still floating a little bit a little and I think I feel like everybody's kind of in that boat like this idea like maybe the shows will come back but also it's like who's gonna want to go to like a, I mean maybe an open air festival I mean I have no idea in a club though like yeah it uh, seems like the, the worst set of factors altogether. Definitely. Uh, yes. <laughs> yeah. 
you mentioned teaching and I, we've probably talked about this before many years ago, but were you teaching before uh, all the signing to Hypergrub and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. I, I bet. I remember the last time we talked, maybe I was still teaching. It was pretty early or no, yeah. it, no, it was in 2016, I think. So no, I wasn't teaching then, but it, I was still teaching like after the first album came out, I was still teaching quite a bit. Um, but yeah, I haven't taught in a long time and I, I do miss it quite, quite a bit. I think it's like a really important, just been thinking about mentorship a lot and how much that's meant to me and just how important it is. And that I, I want to make that a part of what I'm doing as an, as an artist, but yeah, I want to do it effectively. So, and this kind of, it does seem like a good opportunity to, to do it. I have time to think about it. So, yeah. Were you teaching electronic music or synthesis before? Was that what you were teaching? Uh, I was doing like private piano lessons, but my friend Christy, who plays in a band called Orphix, she set up these um, classes for young women, like high school age, same thing I was describing before, like just introduction to like digital recording, how to use a sound card, like how to, how to record like with your computer in the cheapest way possible. And so those workshops were like years ago, that was in like 2014 and 15. Um, and that was like a, just such a great experience, but it's been so long um, since I've done that. And I, I, yeah, I would really love to do it again. As someone who seems like quite an expert in it, where did your interest and experience with uh, synthesizers start? Uh, with with my dad, um, because he he um, had a studio in the basement, and he was a teacher, so like he he was a working musician, and then he got his job teaching, and the the recording musician stuff took like a backseat, but he, he put a lot of time and energy into like making this studio in the basement of our house. And so he had like a, a mixing console and really nice synthesizers and drum machines. And he was always really interested in like what was going on. And then he also had this, uh, a PA rental business that, um, he, he made money doing that on the side too. And so I would go with him to auctions to buy, speakers and that was just like a big part of the way we spent time together like painting the cones and just helping him like to do all that kind of stuff and um and yeah I would go with him to like these clubs around Hamilton like obviously in the afternoon and like lay the cables and help him set stuff up and like I couldn't stay obviously <clears throat> for the because I was too young to, to to be at a club but that that piqued my interest and then um yeah. And then my dad passed away when I was quite, when I was 16. And so I kind of, all this stuff was like laying around and I kind of didn't care about it for a while. And then in my early twenties, I, my mom was basically like, you need to like take this stuff or I'm going to get rid of it. And so I think that was the, I just started experimenting with it a lot. Of, it was a big learning curve for me. Cause even though I was around it, my dad was a pretty impatient person and didn't really 
teach me <laughs> very much about it. It was, I could be around it, but I, um, yeah, I didn't have much of a hands-on experience until much later. Uh, it, did you grow up in Hamilton? Are you from there? Yeah. Yeah. Could you, uh, could you contextualize it for a listener who might not be Canadian or doesn't know what it is? Yeah, of course. It's like a, it's like a Rust Belt town, like very similar to like Pittsburgh or Cleveland. It's, um, yeah, it's a steel town that was really doing well until the eighties. And then it really went down, down the tubes a little, like just (laughs) not a lot going on when I was in high school. Um, not much of like, um, not much of an interesting music scene there. Um, but yeah, it was, I feel bad getting like too negative about Hamilton, but yeah, it's, I I would describe it just as like a steel town that has seen better days, (laughs) but recently has had like, uh, has been rejuvenated. Like a lot of these cities, like artists moving back because it was cheap, but now it's getting expensive again, revitalizing the downtown people trying to like make it, make it a nice place to be. Since uh, interviewing you, way back when, and also interviewing Jeremy separately and both talking about Hamilton. I also discovered that there's like actually a little bit of like a electronic music tradition in Hamilton and a a few like artists and labels uh, from Hamilton making techno. Um, Were you familiar with them growing up or were were you in that scene at all? I wasn't in the scene because I was too young, but my, my cousin, uh, Alfie was certainly a part of that. He he's in that was in that band Azari in third and three. Yeah. Um and then there's Ollie Barkovic who had Steel Town re- I'm like drawing a blank on what his label was called. But yeah, and then because it was so close to Detroit, I think there were these like what there was this scene there. I mean I and then my dad was kind of because my cousin was involved in it. My dad did the PA systems for it. But like, this is when I was like 12, you know? So I was just kind of just the 12 year old that was like kind of there when the lights were on with, you know, like the kind of weird old PA system guy who was my dad. And (laughs) (laughs) like wearing his tracksuit and laying the cables and I would just leave. So it was like, certainly I, I was aware of it, but I was not involved in it it seemed like this kind of grown-up thing that I wasn't allowed to be involved in but I certainly was yeah aware and everybody talks about like oh like you know Richie Houghton came and did like did stuff here you know it's like all this kind of mythology around like you know the glory days of like 90s techno in, in Hamilton but yeah uh it almost seems like Hamilton is like the, the missing node in that uh Detroit Windsor, uh, Rust Belt circuit. Uh, totally. The label is uh, Steel City. Steel City, yeah. yeah. Called it Steel Town. <laughs> but the releases on there are great. Like Jeremy's label, Jeej, like just did a reissue not that long ago, and the tracks are awesome. They're yeah. like kind of strange, and <laughs> but um, yeah. Um. The last thing I wanted to talk about was uh, uh, so you mentioned recording vocals at Morgan Guy Studio 
and you have that project, the Galleria, which I think is some of my favorite stuff you've done. And I was wondering how that happens and if there's more coming, like what the future of that project is. Yeah, I I hope so. Um, Morgan will just kind of come out of nowhere with like, like, I had an idea for another Galleria song. (laughs) You know, and he'll just, I think it's something that both of us are like very enthusiastic about but um yeah he it's super fun for me to sing these songs that I feel are like it's some it's like an outlet for Morgan I don't know (laughs) um yeah I'm always really happy when he when he sends me a new Galleria idea but we have all these Galleria tracks that like are just kind of sitting around that we need to finish. So yeah, I hope that the dream is to do a full Galleria LP. So hopefully that'll happen. Um, yeah. Um, and so, I mean, album's coming out in two weeks. Your next shows are in April. So how are you going to be spend- <laughs> spending the rest of your time until then? <laughs> yeah, I think working on a new record, to be honest. And yeah, yeah, what, so July 24th, yeah, that's a lot of time. <laughs> no, I, I have a lot of, uh, I'm trying to figure out a way to like do, live streams are tough. I really want to like do some of the songs from the new record. Um, like I've been integrating them into the DJ sets, which has been fun, but I want to find a way to actually play a bit. But it's just tough because live streams, like, they really sound like shit. It's hard to not, it's for them to sound good, you know? Um, so I think focusing, like, on a way that I can make this sound good and hopefully doing that. So I think that'll be a big, big way I'm spending my time. How to, how to make a live stream where I'm actually doing stuff live that sounds good for people with, with uh, yeah, like, in a more, like, concert doing the tracks from the album, not just in a DJ set, you know, like singing over the CDJs, which is fine. That's been really fun. And I really like doing that, but it'd be nice to do a more live, live version of the set. Um, do you, do you, can as someone who mostly makes and performs music live, do you feel like when you, when you DJ, is that an important part of your artistic expression as well? Or is it more of like a party thing? Um, yeah, that's a good question. I, I um, DJing is like pretty new to me and something that I've had a lot of fun like figuring out, like actually going back to like one of your, um, for, like one of your first questions about like, do I think about being able to DJ my tracks or other people DJing them like when I'm writing them? Um, and it's been really fun and a challenge to like, do edits of my own songs that I can integrate into my own DJ sets and like sing over them and like make it this kind of hybrid thing. Um, Cause yeah, DJing is like, it's new. I'm still like kind of working my way around, like how am I most comfortable doing this? And I, I think I have found that balance of like maybe singing a little bit, DJing a little bit. Um, but yeah, as far as artistic expression, I don't know. I don't think I've been doing it long enough to like really be there. (laughs) 
Yes. Do you miss the club? Yeah, in a big way. I took it for granted. I'm like shaking my head. (laughs) 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 Took it for granted. It's just so like, it's just so sweet. That connection that people like, just talking to people about how the, how my music makes them feel and um, meeting people in person and like seeing the way people react. It's just, there's just nothing can really replace that in-person feeling. So I, yeah, I miss that a lot.